everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. If you're a Houston's Astro fan, you got to feel pretty good about yourself and about your team this morning, shouldn't you? Especially after you swept the New York Mets in the four games you had to play in the last week. Justin Verlander threw a magnificent game yesterday as he picked up his 10th win, the first pitcher in Major League Baseball to do so this season. Even more remarkable, man had Tommy John surgery less than two years ago. Good morning. Welcome to the show. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts Third, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. We've got a great show lined up for you on this Thursday edition. Get you closer to the weekend. Toby Christie, our buddy from tobychristie.com, NASCAR reporter, will be joining us at 7.30 as things heat up in stock car racing. Les East from crescentcitysports.com will join us at straight up 8 o'clock. What are the Pelicans going to be doing this free agency period? We know they're going to give Zion the max. Anything else up their sleeve? Who are they going to cut? Who do they have to trade? Are they going to make a run at anyone? We'll talk it over with less. Not to mention the latest concerning the New Orleans Saints as they gear up for training camp. And then Dan Favali, our buddy from Bleacher Report, the NBA reporter, columnist, will join us. NBA free agency is almost here. You had Bradley Beal, you had James Harden, both big names, both opt out. They decided to not opt in to their massive one-year deals for this next coming season. They're both going to test the market. So we'll talk about NBA free agency and some of the pieces being moved around there. So we got three guests for you, 730, 8, They're all great, but you know we love to hear from you. Game hotline is up and running. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we're going to touch on a slew of different topics this morning, but we're going to lead off with those Houston Astros. Ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous how good Justin Verlander is. This is what he did yesterday. Astros win two to nothing. They are, have improved now to 47 and 27, a full 20 games above 500. They went four and two on the New York trip, splitting with the Yankees 2 2, and then beating the Mets back to back games. They began last week by taking both games against the Mets, and then they get to play the Yankees again today. Verlander, after yesterday's win where he was absolutely phenomenal, gets win number 10, as I said. Win number 10. First pitcher to do so. Guy's 40 years old, 
about to be 40 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery, and win number 10 for him. Unbelievable. 2 nothing win for the Strohs. Verlander improves to 10-3. and three. His ERA is, wait for it, 2.03. Yeah. That's called good, in case you were wondering. This was a tight game, though. Credit the Mets. This was a tight game for a little while. Well, for a long while, until the ninth inning. This was a scoreless affair. Because as well as Verlander was pitching, and he was dealing, eight innings, only two hits given up, no runs, one walk, six Ks. Credit Walker for the Mets, because he was dealing as well. Seven and a third, four hits, two walks, three Ks as well. But... The Strohs finally got some runs there in the top of the ninth. Smith came into the ball game. He had come into the ball game there in the eighth. And he was looking to keep this close. Not so fast. Because Guriel gets on base and then Castro. That's right. Castro is the one to hit the two-run bomb. Verlander goes crazy in the dugout. And the Strohs go out and then close the door as Presley comes in for the save. No hits, no runs, strikes out one. As the Strohs get the win. And look, it was one of those games, I call them a a Kevin Foot game where you win, but you don't go overboard with all the scoring. You know you know Footsie's philosophy here. You score too many runs, you got to pay the piper the next day. And they scored nine runs the day before, the night before. Pena gets a hit, the rookie sensation. But Alvarez, 0 for 3, struck out. Altuve, 0 for 3 on the day. Bregman, he gets a hit, one for four. His average now hovering around 241. Tucker, Guriel, Diaz all get hits. Castro gets two hits. The bottom of the lineup came up big for the Strohs. They, they, they were all able to get on the base paths. But Castro... Playing yesterday for Martin Malnado. That bat in the lineup helped the team win. He goes two for four with the one run scored, two ribbies. Even after going two for four yesterday, this is how ridiculous the Astros are. Castro goes two for four yesterday with a two-run home run that ends up winning the game in the top of the ninth inning. His batting average is now, wait for it, 115. 115. If you're the Mets, you're thinking, there's no way we're good here. But even on a day where most of the lineup is struggling to get on the base paths, 
a guy batting around 100 steps up for the Astros and is the hero as he hits the two-run jack. By the way, Yuli Gurriel's average is now up to 228. Not where it needs to be, but you should continue seeing he and Bregman make some improvement there. As great of a game, as great of a victory as it was for the Astros, Verlander becoming the first pitcher in the bigs to get to 10 wins this season. Castro being the hero at the dish. There was a scary moment in this game. Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena ran into each other. Jordan was able to get up on his own accord, but they went ahead and put him on the cart anyway. Pena tried to stay in the game. Alex Bregman stepped in and told him, no, you need to get out of the game. He called the trainers to come get him. Chandler Rome was reporting on this, one of the first to do so yesterday, saying both Alvarez and Pena were being evaluated for concussions, according to the team. They will provide an update tomorrow on Thursday. Chandler would further go on and say that Alvarez and Pena are both flying back to Houston with the team. So they're not having to be hospitalized. They're able to fly back home with the team. And there'll be more of an update today. But that was a scary moment. The current rookie sensation running into a guy that's competing for the most valuable player. And when they collided, I mean, look, Alvarez is a big guy. He's a massive human. Pena is not. And they ran into each other, and you're like, oh. And when they said they bring out the stretcher, because I was listening to it on the radio, of course, for your home of Houston Astros baseball, the game. I was like, oh, no. But then they said, oh, he's standing up on his own accord, but they're being safe. They put him on the cart. Pena tried to stay in the game, and Malik Bregman was like, no, bro. No. No. It'll be none of that. And that... So hopefully, nothing long-term. Hopefully, no severe injuries. They'll be okay. More than likely, with them being taken out of the game like they were, I would not suspect them being able to play today. I, w- I would say probably not going to be able to play today. Just as a safety precaution. Because you're probably going to want to run a few more tests on both of them just to be safe. Which, look, we already know that Alvarez is a foundation piece. You just re-signed him. You just gave him the big contract extension. Pena is going to be the future at shortstop for you, your rookie sensation, a guy that's going to be competing for rookie of the year this year. Are you really going to, you know, chance them and force them on a makeup game against the Yankees? Even though you had that great post, you know, that great weekend series that felt like a postseason series? Fans would love to see it, but I would fully expect them to hold both Pena and Alvarez out of today's game. Successful road trip, right? Four and two against the two teams considered to be the best in baseball. Splitting with the Yankees and then taking both games against the Mets. And this is what the veteran skipper Dusty Baker had to say about the team's road trip, which wrapped up yesterday afternoon with the two victory over the Mets. Uh, much awaited, much needed, you know, for him and us. 
this was a uh, road trip, probably unlike any other, where there was a swing of emotions from, from almost day to day. You know, you get blow a couple in the ninth, and then we have a no-hitter, and then today's game, I mean, it was an emotional road trip. And ended up, well, boy, um, you know, we left home. We didn't really, um, you know, we were hoping, uh, you know, to go like four and two or, you know, who knows. I mean, I always want six at all. I'm always looking for the perfect road trip, but very rarely do you have it. And, uh, you know, JV was, was great. I mean, he was masterful. He, uh, and I, I, I was hoping for one down the corner and Julie score. You know, you're trying to think about all the different scenarios. You get a run. You know, we tried hit and run a couple times. And, um, you know, it seemed like nothing was working because Walker was, was outstanding. I mean, his, his, his previous starts prior to us, you know, were the same, same way. I mean, um, you know, we faced him in Arizona years ago. But, uh, I mean, he's a much better and much calmer and more defined pitcher than he, he was then. So He mentions Verlander there. Once again, first pitcher in the big leagues this year to get to 10 wins. Coming off Tommy John surgery, nearly 40 years old. I mean, sensational what he's, what he's done. Front runner for the Cy Young. It's phenomenal. This is what Dusty had to say about his ace. His, his location on his fastball. You know, I mean, he had excellent location. You know, I mean, he threw it away, and he and he threw some outstanding changeups, especially to McNeil. You know, who's one of the tougher hitters in the league, and uh, you know that was probably in in a sense tempo and pace, which kept us sharp. You know, everybody was you know was busy all over the field, including their guys. You know, so it's a good game to watch, a good game uh, to win. Were you? And Dusty also discussed Jordan and Pena and gave them the update, gave us the update that the two that collided during yesterday's game, that in fact they'd be coming home with the team to Houston. I have no clue. I, mean, I don't think they're through with the evaluation. I don't, like I said, I don't want to jump to conclusions. So uh, we just have to wait. That's actually him saying he didn't want to give any type of status update on what their condition is, if they were actually suffering from a concussion or not. So we do know, based on the reporting from Chandler Rome, that they did fly back home. I would ex expect them not to play today when they take on the Yankees. They're at home in Minute Maid Ballpark because they're going to be home for a little while. Yankees today, then it's a four-game set, or a weekend set, rather, against the Angels. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a four-game set against the Royals starting on 4th of July. Today's game will be earlier than normal, but not to worry. You can still listen to it right here on the game. 5-10 first pitch. That's right, 5-10 first pitch. Yankees, Strohs. You can listen to it live right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball. Yeah, w w look, you're flying home. I I just don't see them playing today. I, I, I could be wrong. I could, I could definitely be wrong. But I could see them saying, you know what, guys, just take a breather. Rest. 
I would assume once they got back home from Houston last night, they probably did some more evaluation with their own doctors and their own at their own team facility with their own medical professionals and then did some tests that way. And we'll get an update probably by noon today. But once again, Astros versus the Yankees live for Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to it live right here on the game at 510 this afternoon. So that's Miguez and Mesh half hour edition. They'll go from 4 to 4.30, or 4.35 rather. Hand it over to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks for Astros launch, or Astro launch, and then first pitch at 5.10. we got to take a timeout. Just getting started here in RP3 and Company. Love to hear from you. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston is going to take on the fighting April champions, Seattle Mariners, on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. That's right. You can be there in person. Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Mariners, Strohs, Saturday, July 30th. You can be there for tickets, tour the ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Man, got to get them tickets. Got to get them tickets. Astros once again win last night 2 to nothing over the New York Mets. They go 4-2 and two on the New York Road trip, splitting with the Yankees, and then taking both games from the Mets. If you go back an entire week, they're 6-2 and two against the New York teams, taking all four games against the Mets, splitting the Yankees, and then they get to have a rubber match, if you will, today, 5-10, live from Minute Maid Ballpark. You can listen to the Yankees and Strohs battle it out. 5-10 first pitch. More than likely, Jeremy Pena, the star rookie shortstop, and Jordan Alvarez, the slugger and MVP candidate will likely not be playing today. That's what I expect as they had a kind of a nasty collision during yesterday's game in the Queens area of New York. Being evaluated, we'll see. More than likely, they're going to be held out of today's game. I want to talk about Rob Manford because... I feel like it's it's time to make my blood boil. Th- this man wants to expand Major League Baseball. He wants to, I'll say it again, Rob Manford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, as we know, a man I do not care for because I think he does an awful job 
is actually floating the idea about expanding the league. He also wants robot umps in Major League Baseball by 2024. Because the umpiring, the officiating, if you will, has been so tremendously bad that that's what he wants. He wants to see robot umps, robo-umps, in the big leagues in 2024, but also hints at expansion to 32 teams. Uh, 32? 32 teams? Here's the problem with that. A quarter of the league as it is doesn't draw. A quarter of the league is allowed to run their teams like a dumpster fire, and they get away with it. The way Major League Baseball is constructed is flawed because teams like, I don't know, let's just pick a few, the Pirates, the Royals for stretches, and others, the Marlins are been allowed to do this for years. You have teams right now in Major League Baseball that are owned by people that have no desire for their teams to win ballgames. You have the collective bargaining agreement. You have the shared television revenue. So teams are pocketing 30 to $40 million a year without having to invest money into their own ball clubs, without having to improve said facilities, and actually spending money on developing talent, signing them to deals, spending money on free agency, upgrading facilities. They're not doing any of that. And a quarter of the league is that way and has been that way for a long time, specifically under Manfred's watch. And this clown show wants to come and say, hey, I'd like to expand to 32 teams. You don't have a handle on the teams you have. Look at the standings, shall we? And you're going to see the same criminal behavior, to use a term by Kevin Foote, in this league. Baltimore has been an absolute atrocious franchise for 20 years. 20. Great ballpark, Camden Yards. Orioles have a ton of history. They've been allowed to be ran into the ground. There they sit the bottom of the American League East, as they typically do. Kansas City is notorious for being cheap. Somehow they got two World Series runs during this time where they lucked up with some veteran free agents and some of their own guys, which, by the way, they're none of them are on the team anymore because they don't want to pay. Love the ballpark. Been there. Kaufman's nice. Nice family ballpark. But they're allowed to be cheap and not invest in their team. They're 27 and 47 overall. Look at what's going on in Oakland. They are trying to burn the franchise down. Pushed Billy Bean out of his role with the team. Didn't resign anyone. Traded away their best players. They can't give away tickets. 
Athletics are 25 and 52. It's not even July, and the Athletics already have 52 losses. That's a team notoriously not investing in their franchise. The Nationals are a bit of a mess. The Marlins are actually not too bad this year. That's the best compliment I can give, but they're 34 and 40. The Reds invested money this season, but yet they're awful. But yet they've notoriously for the past 20 years not invested into their team, not spent money on free agents, not spent money at the facility. There they sit at the bottom of the Central Division in the National League. Team after team after team is allowed to be this way. Is allowed to just take the money and not invest into their teams, not invest into the game, not invest into making the game better. And the commissioner of said league that allows these teams to do this is trying to tell me, wait for it, that it's time for expansion. He wants to add two teams to the mix. First of all, how's that going to work? Every division right now has five teams. But I digress. You're going to throw off the math. But he wants to add two teams. The robo-umps, I don't know. But two teams? I can't deal with this guy. Just... (sighs) Get your league fixed first. How about making sure everything is top-notch the product that you're putting on the field. Oh, did we? I forgot to mention the Angels. The fighting MVPs, they're allowed to be a dumpster fire. Now, part of that is they make terrible decisions. But how about cleaning up your own league? Making sure everyone is committed to putting forth a winning product on the field? a quality product for the fans and for the country before you decide to add two more teams. Two more teams. He's got teams that aren't committed to winning right now. He's like, you know what would be great? Wait for it. I got teams losing on purpose. I got teams not investing into their franchises. I got teams that are being neglectful to their fan bases. I got a half a dozen of those. Wait for it. Let's add more teams. That'll fix the issue. The guy is a world-class clown. Absolutely world-class clown. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll shift gears from baseball to the gridiron. Got to hear from Dennis Allen yesterday, Saints' first-year head coach as the team prepares for training camp. That'll be coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
Welcome back to RP3 and Company on this Thursday morning, June the 30th, 2022. Last day of June. Month is wrapped up today. What? Fourth of July weekend is going to be here. Oh, man. We're going to have the extra day off. We'll be off for the fourth. As well, going to be celebrating our country's independence. Should be a good time. Should be a great weekend. Let's hope the weather is better than what it was yesterday and today. Let's just hope. Keep our fingers crossed out there for everyone. Houston Astros, winner last night. Yesterday evening, rather 2-0 over the Mets. They go 4-2 on the New York road trip. They come back to Minute Maid Ballpark with Justin Verlander becoming the first pitcher to reach 10 wins this season. They'll take on the Yankees this afternoon at 5-10. That's one of those makeup games from the lockout. That's why it's a random game on a Thursday at 5-10. They'll play the Yankees yet again. Jordan Alvarez, Jeremy Pena collided on the field yesterday during the game. The uh, big fella Alvarez had to be carted off. Pena was taken out of the game as well. Obviously, they're going to be tested for concussions and whatnot. We'll get an update sometime today. I would expect probably around noon or by noon. You'll start hearing it from Houston Astros reporters. And then uh, our buddy Rob Manford, because he has about a quarter of the league's teams not committed to winning and running their franchises like dumpster fires, it says, you know what's going to be great? Let's add some more teams to the mix. Let's add some more teams to the mix. We'll get back to that because that gave us inspiration for our poll question of the day, which we'll unveil here in about 15 minutes. But right now, I want to switch over from baseball to the gridiron, and let's talk a little New Orleans Saints football in particular. Dennis Allen's gearing up. There's a bit of buzz for this team, right? It feels that way based on the moves they make. And just not because of Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, the two former LSU Tigers, becoming part of the black and gold. That's part of it, obviously. But they had a nice draft, made some smart moves in free agency. They got a lot of guys coming back. There's a bit of a buzz building in New Orleans about this team. And they're gearing up for training camp, which will be, you know, later next month, late July. And Dennis Allen actually takes a moment to speak to the media yesterday about a wide range of topics. One of them coming up, the big progress. Did this team make progress over the offseason with OTAs and mini camp and everything like that? And this is what the Saints' new head man in charge had to say about that. I'd say we've made some progress. I like the direction that we're headed, but certainly we got a long way to go and, and a lot of things that we have to have to improve on. And so my focus really is, you know, how do we keep getting a little bit better every single day? But I do think we've made some progress over this over this offseason. That's what you like to hear. That they made progress. Dennis Allen wants to see this team continue to get better. And one of the positions that we can expect to be far better in 2022 than compared to last year has to be the wide receiver room, right? I mean, 
Michael Thomas was injured. They didn't have enough guys. No one really stepped up. You had Callaway and Smith and Harris turned Hardy as your number one, number two, number three wide receivers, and they just didn't get the job done, right? They had to depend on guys like Kevin White out there trying to catch balls during the season. It was not – at one point they had Trevor Simeon, third-string quarterback, throwing, trying to throw passes – to Kevin White, renowned first-round draft bust, who has never caught a touchdown pass in his career. That's what the offense looked like last year for the Saints. And the team nearly made the playoffs. Wide receiver room, though, should be far better. You had Jarvis Landry. You had Chris Olave, who you traded up in the first round to get the young man out of Ohio State. And Dennis Allen talked about just how good that wide receiving room is. I would say that I like both those players. I'd say both of them bring a skill set to the wide receiver room that I think can help us and be better in that in that area this year. You know, Jarvis obviously being a, a savvy vet, outstanding route runner. Chris is highly athletic, got really good speed to stretch the field. He's going to have a learning curve just like all rookies do. Look, I think this. I think. One of the things that we wanted to do this year was add talent to the roster and increase the competition amongst the roster. And I think we've done that in a lot of different areas. Adding talent to the roster also applies to moving guys around, in particular Taysom Hill. The experiment of him being a quarterback, a starting quarterback in the National Football League has come to an end now that Sean Payton is gone. D.A. sees him as an offensive weapon. Maybe not that joker role that he would that he held a few years ago where he'd lined up at tight end, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, played special teams. Yeah, look, that made him a fan favorite. They tried to make him a quarterback. That didn't work out. But he's still a weapon, and that's what his new head coach sees him as as well. Well, I look at Taysom Hill as a weapon in a lot of different areas, all right? So we talk all the time about positionless players on defense. I don't know if positionless is the right word for Taysom. Multiple position player, you know. I look at him as a weapon in the passing game. I look at him as a weapon playing at the quarterback position. I look at him with the ball in his hands. I look at him on special teams in a lot of different areas. And so there's a ton of places where Taysom Hill can help this football team win and we want to utilize him in all those different roles the ideal situation would be when you're out there with the offense and let's say the offensive line is healthy and Jameis is healthy your 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 ideal situation is going to have Thomas on one side Alave on the other Jarvis Landry's in the slot there's your three wide receivers and then you can line up Taysom Hill out there in a joker role it can be, he can line up at the tight end position, but you can use him like Jimmy Graham if you wanted to. Or you can line him up in another spot. He can he's technically will be a tight end, but line him up at wide receiver. Having him as that offensive weapon is going to open up the offense even more so. It's a smart move. People kept asking me, RP3, this Alante Taylor guy, why, why did they take him in the second round? Why, why, why did they take the young man out of Tennessee? And I told you this, and I'll say it again. Because he's a weapon. Because he's a toy for the head coach. 
just like Sean Payton would do the same thing drafting offensive players. Dennis Allen is the former defensive coordinator turned head coach. And they took a, a guy that maybe you didn't think they should take it, uh, selected in the second round, that you didn't think was a need. But the Saints did. He's versatile. He played quarterback in high school. He's played both corner and safety. He, got, he has great sideline-to-sideline side speed. Early reports from rookie minicamp and minicamp, Alante Taylor balled out. And in 2022, you cannot have enough versatile defensive backs on your roster. You can't have enough of them. They're more important than linebackers these days. They just are. The game has evolved. The game has changed. So they had an opportunity to get after, get themselves a guy they feel could be an impact player for that side of the football. And the only thing that you need to know is how much Taylor is held in high regard to his new, by rather, his new head coach. Really like him. Probably a little further ahead than what I anticipated when he got in here and excited about, you know, seeing what he can do as we keep moving forward. The kid's going to play a lot. I'm, t I'm, just, I'm just telling you. I'm just, I'm just telling you. The way the game has evolved, the way Dennis Allen likes to run his defense, he likes having versatile and numerous different defensive backs on his, on his defense. Taylor's going to find a role. He'll probably play some special teams, but don't be surprised if you see him out there making plays during the game. Davenport has been nicked up. I know you're surprised. Stunned. RP3. What? What? I'm aghast by this breaking news that Davenport's been out recovering from, I don't know, some sort of injury. But that's given the opportunity this offseason for other guys to shine. And Dennis Allen talked about that. Well, I think Carl Granderson's had a really good camp. You know, he's a guy that, you know, was here for, for all of the OTAs and, and here for the mini camp. I think he's a guy up front that I felt like really took a, a step forward in this camp and hopefully can continue that as we get into uh, training camp in August. So there you go. Training camp, late July, early August. The dog days of summer. As someone who's gone down and covered training camp as a reporter and has gone down as a fan, took my wife, she's a diehard Saints fan, uh, it will be brutally hot <laughs> down in Metairie for training camp. But it's worth it. They do provide shade now and misting fans for all the fans, which they used to not do that. So that's kind of cool. Hey, it's time for an epic night of fights. UFC 276 is here and two titles are going to be on the line. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by KO, submission, or decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can turn another small bet into big payday. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place the same game parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code 1037GAME this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 
Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Availability does vary by parish. Eligibility restrictions do apply. So go check out DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on RP3 and Company next. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. It's time for us to unveil it. Rob Manford, the bozo in charge of Major League Baseball, says he wants to add two more teams, hints at adding two more teams, despite franchises like the Reds, Pirates, Marlins, Royals, and so forth. Being committed to not being committed to improving their teams or their ballparks. Manford believes, hey, let's add some more teams to the mix. Should Major League Baseball add two more teams? That's our poll question of the day. Right now, 67% of you say no, we are good at 30. 33% say yes, need new blood. No votes yet for eh, only if New Orleans gets one. JPK, the OD, says none of the above. Major League Baseball needs to self-edit itself. Too many zombie teams like the Reds living on legacy and tradition. We need 24, 28 teams that play 70 to 80 games max. Make spring training a preseason in your hometown with fan interaction. Hashtag please just make make it mean more. Hashtag make me care again. Bad job. <laughs> Gif, I like that. Martin on the Twitter says, yes, also get rid of the New York umpires. That way Salty Steve can jump aboard the Red Sox bandwagon. Aha, go Red Sox. Oh, Martin, God bless you. <laughs> Yankee fans are never going to cheer for anybody else but the Yankees, man. Just like you'd never cheer for anybody else but the Red Sox. That's going to do it for hour number one, hour number two, right around the bend. We'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337 337- 706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Houston Astros sweep the New York Mets yet again, second time in a week's period. Justin Verlander, magnificent. Picks up his 10th win of the season as the Strohs win yesterday afternoon, 2 to nothing. Let's take down the Mets there in Queens. Verlander, first pitcher to 10 wins this season. Castro, yeah, Castro, Mr. I'm batting 100. Castro steps up for the Strohs with a two-run home run there late. Bregman, Yuli Gurriel also get themselves some hits as they continue to try to get themselves out of their slumps. Scary moment, though, for the team. Jeremy Pena, Jordan Alvarez collide on the field of play. 
They both tried to get up on their own accord. Jordan had to be put on the cart, the big fella, unfortunately. Pena was taken out of the game as well. Both will be evaluated, more than likely concussion protocols. I would not expect to see them play today when the Yankees and Astros meet in Minute Maid Ballpark. Once again, that's a weird game. That's a makeup game due to the lockout. That wasn't be uh, wasn't played because of the lockout, so that's why we're getting this random game on a Thursday at 5-10. You can listen to Stroh's Yankees 5-10 right here on the game. Astro launch will begin at 4-35, so you'll have Miguez and Mesh condensed version from 4 to 4-35. They'll probably only talk about their hair now 10% of that show. Astro launch 435, then first pitch 510 for Minute Maid Ballpark. Astros win, continue to improve their lead in the American League West. And let's just look at the standings as they stand this morning. National League is filled with tight races, right? That's the big difference so far this season. Mets are one of the best teams in baseball, but the Braves are breathing down their necks. They've closed the gap now to three games. Braves have gone seven and three in their last 10. Mets are four and six in their last 10. Phillies are fading a little bit here, especially with Bryce Harper now on the IL with the broken finger issue that's going to require surgery. So only three games between the top team and the next team in the NL East. Only a game and a half difference between the Brewers and the Cardinals in the NL Central. And only a game and a half difference between the Dodgers and the Padres in the NL West. Those division races are tight and more than likely are going to be that way for the rest of the season. And you get one of those races like that in the American League in the Central. The Twins only have a two-game lead up on the Cleveland Guardians. Terry Francona knows how to coach them up. But you look at the American League East in the American League West, and it's a bit of a laugher. Yankees hold a 13-game lead over the Boston Red Sox. And Boston is <laughs> Boston's 8-2 and two in their last 10. They're playing some of their best baseball this season. They're still 13 games behind the Yankees. Red Sox are more than likely not going to be able to catch New York, even though stranger things have happened. Probably have to settle for one of those wild card spots and then be, you know, be a spoiler in the playoffs. But behind them, a half a game back of the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there in the East behind the Yankees. Over in the West, the Astros now hold an 11-game lead over the Texas Rangers. When we began the season, the first month of the season, when we talked about the Astros and we talked about the American League West, we talked about the Angels, we talked about the Mariners. Didn't talk about the Rangers. And guess who's in second place in the division? It's the Rangers. They made some moves in the offseason, but they were banged up. They had to deal with some early season injuries. They seemingly have gotten past that. They're 36 and 38, still below 500. But the fighting MVPs are a full game behind the Rangers 
They're 37 and 41. The Mariners, 36 and 41. And then the poor Oakland Athletics are 25 and 52 on the season, a full 23 and a half games behind the Astros in the standings. Just ridiculous. And it just goes to show you how good, how much better the Yankees and the Astros are than everyone else. And if I'm the New York teams, this may serve as a bit of a wake-up call. Particularly for the Mets. Yankees realize, okay, we're not. this is not going to be a cakewalk for us to get to the World Series. A, the Yankees have had issues in the postseason, in particular against the Astros in the last, you know, 10 years. So they can't just pencil themselves in. But with the four-game series in the Bronx, let everyone know, not only the Yankees, but baseball know, it's going to be a dogfight with the Astros. It's going to be a heavyweight bout between those two teams. They're clearly the two best teams as it stands right now in all of baseball. And don't sleep on the Strohs. That became evident. For the Mets, they're not quite there yet, are they? They're not quite there yet. The dream season for New York teams and New York media talking about them. Oh, it's so great. The Yankees and the Mets. The Yankees and the Mets. Mets have some work to do. You could tell the Astros were the far better team in all four games. How they play their talent level, they're just better. So as good as the Mets season is so far to this point, they're not running away with their division. The Braves are hot on their heels. And they played one of the other quote-unquote best teams. This past week, we talked about it, was going to be the eye-opening week. It was going to show us a lot. It was going to be a great measuring stick week for the Yankees, Astros, and Mets. Now that the dust has settled, it's apparent that the two best teams in baseball are the Astros and the Yankees. And the Mets are the next tier. They're just not there. Now, could they get better as the season progresses? Absolutely. But I've said this over and over again. One thing that the Astros have that others don't, besides the talent of Altuve and Alvarez and Verlander and everything like that, they have the experience of being to three World Series in the last five years and being to five straight American League Championship Series. The majority of this team, the majority of the core of the team, has that experience under their belt. This team always believes they're in the game. They never count themselves out. They always have confidence that they can win a game no matter what the situation might be, road or home, gets a good opponent or a bad opponent, get, uh, in a game where your lineup is struggling to a game where your lineup isn't struggling. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. The Astros believe that they are better than everyone else, and they believe that because they're talented, but they believe that because they have the experience of proving it. Yankees don't have that experience, not as much as the Strohs. And the Mets surely don't have that experience. They just don't. 
So we'll see. Still early. Wrapping up the month of June today. We got some entertaining afternoon, early evening baseball for you on tap right here on the game. Once again, makeup game due to the lockout. Just a one-game affair today. Yankees at Astros. 5-10 first pitch. Astro launch begins at 4-35 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. Of course, you can listen to the action right here. We also have a poll question of the day. Rob Manford, in an interview, suggested that he'd like to see robotic umpires by 2024. Man, we are just hell-bent on making Terminators come to life. But that's not the thing that caught my attention. It's his, once again, bringing this up. He's brought this up before. did so in 2021 about expanding the game. Rob Manford wants to expand the league by two teams. He hinted at it again in another interview. You heard me in hour number one speak on it, and I'll do it again. No. No, 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 no. You cannot expand when you have nearly a quarter of your teams that take the initiative right now and have been doing so for the better part of more than 10 years have decided to take the approach because of the television revenue sharing in Major League Baseball that teams are allowed to not invest in their own team, to not go after free agents, to not sign their own players, to not improve their facilities, to not improve the fan experience for their fan bases, and are allowed to treat their teams like a dumpster fire because they still pocket net 30 to 40 mil a year because the way Major League Baseball is constructed. The way the collective bargaining agreement is constructed, the way the owners are running things. So you have nearly a quarter of your league that's allowed to run their teams like a dumpster fire. And Rob Manford's idea to fix this is, wait for it, let's add some more teams. And I know why he wants to do that. Get in other markets. Also, anytime you create a new team, you add an expansion team, those people in that metropolitan area get fired up. You sell a lot of tickets. There's a lot of buzz. You sell a lot of merchandise through MajorLeagueBaseball.com, Shop.com. I get it. I know why you're doing it because it's for greed. Is adding two teams going to help the product on the field? No. Because those two teams aren't going to be good for a couple of years, at least. So now you're just adding more bad teams to the mix. Woof. How about you fix the league right now? Instead of trying to fix it by expansion, how about you light a fire underneath the tuchuses of these owners and force them to actually treat their ball clubs with a just a bare minimum of respect? Is that so much to ask? Is it so much to ask to ask great franchises? Great they Great historic franchises like the Reds, like the Pirates, like Kansas City with the Royals to actually treat their teams with a level of respect? Is it so much to ask 
the new school dumpster fire team, the Miami Marlins, who, by the way, has two World Series titles, believe it or not, to actually run its organization the right way? Or what about Baltimore, another tradition-rich team? Baltimore had what could be considered the greatest third baseman of all time play for them, Brooks Robinson. Yeah, I'm going way back. They haven't been relevant in 20 years. How about you get those teams, the ones that aren't ran the right way, the ones that aren't committed to winning, the ones that aren't committed to servicing their local fans and actually force them to do better before you decide to add two new teams? I don't think it's a lot to ask, but what do I know? I'm just sitting here talking to you. I'm not in the front office with Rob Manford. I'm sure that would be awkward if we did share an office together, though. <laughs> Might be slightly awkward where I just stare him down. He's like, who's this? Who's that big fella? Why is he looking at me that way? He's looking at me with contempt. Why is everyone looking at me with contempt everywhere I go? Well, if people look at you with a level of contempt on their face, that's because you're not doing a good job. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. I was not anticipating ranting about Rob Manford today multiple times, but here we are. Happy Thursday to you and I. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 30th, 1965. NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle grants ownership of the Atlanta Falcons to Rankin Smith Sr., Executive VP of Life Insurance Company of Georgia. Rankin pays a then-record $8.5 million for the Falcons. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. We asked you, should Major League Baseball add two more teams? Let's get the latest updates on the old poll question of the day. 50% of you say, no, we are good at 30. 33% of you say, eh, only if New Orleans gets one. And 17% say, yes, new blood. So it's right now we're split 50-50 kind of, right? 17% say, yes. 33% say only if New Orleans gets a team. Gail Benson could own it. She has money. 50% say no, we're good at 30. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Don't be shy. Leave your comments as well. And hey, it's time for us to let you know about something else that we got going on here at the game. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to be amazed? Are you ready to have your mind blown? If you're listening right now, you're driving, you may want to pull over. Yeah, it's going to be that mind-blowing. Are you ready? You have a new way of communicating with us. Say what? Say what? We know you love the game. We saw you come out, ball out at the birthday bash last week. right? You've helped make us South Louisiana Sports Station. You love calling the hotline. 
Game hotline's always open, 337-706-0111, right? That's true. You know the hotline. You have it saved in your phone. You hit us up on the Twitters and on the Facebook and on the Tiki Talk. That's not how they say any of those things. <laughs> that said, you do all that, right? You have a great time. We have a new way for you, us and you to communicate. We have a new live chat feature on the website. You can chat with us live through your keyboard. That's right. That's right. Live chat feature. Just click on the listen live at the top of our webpage at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Okay? And the chat is going to open up with the audio player so you can listen to us and chat with us at the same time. Come on now. Let's make it happen. Want to talk about food, sports, wardrobe? No. No one wants to talk about wardrobe. You want to talk about Hannah Five Names' wedding plans? Does not matter. Just chat with us. Once again, go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for our friends in Lake Charles. And you just click once again on the Listen Live feature. It's right at the top. You click on that bad boy. Boom. It's going to bring up the audio player. But it's also going to do something else. Not only are you going to be able to listen to us, on the gizame said no one ever you're also going to be able to chat it up with us so go check it out do so now another way for you to be able to communicate with us Woo, good times coming up toby christie is going to be joining us in just a few moments talking all things nascar we're also going to be talking at 8 o'clock with Les East. Our friend from ChristmasCitySports.com. Get his thoughts on what Dennis Allen had to say about the Saints this offseason. Also, Pelicans. Free agency is upon us for the association. And then coming up at 8.30, Dan Favali, our friend from Bleacher Report, will join us, NBA reporter, talking all things NBA and NBA free agency. So that's what we got coming up. Three guests. 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30. But not to worry. Hey, we got this new chat feature now on the website, which you can also access by visiting the website through your internet browser on your phone, by the way. You can also do that. But here's the other thing. You listen to us on an interview. I'm conducting an interview. I'm talking to Les Heats in a, you know, a little while, right? You got a Saints question. You're like, dang it. RP3's on the air talking to the guy right now. I'd like to know something. Maybe you want to submit a question. Say, hey, RP3, can you ask Les about this? Well, guess what? Now you can with the live chat feature on our website at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Right now, though, it's time for us to take a timeout. Not to worry. It'll be brief. P3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. 
But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Go! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, if you suffer from joint pain, from arthritis, or an injury, you know the traditional treatments. Pain meds and steroids and then surgery, right? Look, it's RP3 here. Great news. There's now a better way, and it's here now, from the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. This is an advanced, exciting, and natural alternative that can give you lasting relief using your body's own healing power. Listen, steroid shots are toxic to your joints. Pain meds are addictive, and nobody wants to go under the knife. It's 2022, and those old ways are out, and the new ways are in. Regenerative medicine can restore and repair damaged joint tissue using the natural biologics. No drugs, no downtime, no surgery. QC Kinetics regenerative protocols can address any pain in any joint and give you quality of life that you deserve. Call now and schedule your free consultation. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. QC Kinetics. 337-243-4222. 4222. It's time for us to welcome on our first guest of today's show. He works for a website. Well, it's easy to know who he is and who he works for because, well, he's the founder and editor-chief of tobychristie.com. Oh, he's Toby Christie. He covers NASCAR. He joins us right now. Brother, good morning. How are you, bud? RP3, I'm doing well. How are you doing, my dude? I'm doing good, bud. I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm doing well. Fourth of July weekend's coming up, man. How, how can we not be good? Man, you're you're not kidding. This year's flying by, isn't it? My goodness. It is zooming by, my friend. All right, so let's get right to it. Uh we talked about Chase Elliott. We talked about Bill's boy last time you joined us a few weeks ago, and sure enough, guess who won the uh Ally four hundred at Nashville Super Speedway? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was Chase Elliott. Uh, is he the face of NASCAR right now? Yeah, I think without a doubt, it's pretty obvious. Nobody else really has that mantle other than him. I mean, he's he's the guy that moves the needle. The fans love him, uh, and, and the other competitors seem to really respect him a lot. Um, so I, I I don't see anybody else that, that has that title right now other than Chase Elliott. He's done just such a, such a good job, and he just understands exactly what's at stake out there he understands what the legacy is about he understands the history of the sport and some guys don't but he really does and obviously he's a legacy guy so it makes a lot of sense that he would know that but he just seems to get it man I, I in all phases of it on and off the track yeah no he's quiet he's smooth uh he doesn't ruffle too many feathers i know he had to run him with harvick last year um, but I mean, other than that, he really doesn't uh, have too many feuds. Not many people really dislike him. Uh, he's just a very likable guy, very smooth on the racetrack, and just doesn't get into situations he shouldn't get into. 
And when he has a bad day, he, he blames it on himself. He doesn't go and, and point fingers at other people. He's, he's a guy who owns up to anything he does wrong on the racetrack, and that's that's really to be respected. As great as Chase has been this year, uh, Joey Logano's been really, really good, too. Is he the biggest threat to Chase for the championship? It's a good it's a good question because Logano is one of those guys that even when he doesn't have a great race car uh, or even when you don't think it's really his day, somehow he sneaks up into the picture and he's kind of there. So uh, when he was really young, they called him sliced bread because he was the, the next big thing since sliced bread. And now he's kind of aging. He's in his 30s now. He's, he's one of those guys that's really hitting on all cylinders each and every week. And it seems like each and every year he's that guy that just kind of is the thorn in the side of everyone that thinks they've got the thing won. Uh, I mean, he won the championship in 2018, and that year it looked like it was definitely going to be Truex or somebody like that that was going to win the title. And uh, he stepped up and, and, and took it away from them, even though he didn't have the dominant year. Uh, so this is, a, this is a guy that's dangerous each and every time he goes on a racetrack. Yeah, and you're right. He's one of those guys. Some some guys are just built that way, right, Toby? Some guys, it, it they're just pure drivers. If that makes any sense, we talk about it in in baseball or you know or fo- or basketball or football. Oh, he's just a player, right? He's just a guy. He's just a he's just a old school player. That's what it feels like with Joey. Because not all the times does he have the right crew, does he have the right car, or even the right team. Yet he's such a talented driver that he makes it work. No doubt, no doubt. And, and you look at every time we go to new racetracks uh, here recently, uh, you look at we go to the, the, the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, a, a quarter-mile racetrack, never happened in Cup Series since like you know, 50 years ago. So first time in a long time, dirt track at Bristol, all sorts of other stuff. He ends up winning these things. First time out at these kind of places, he's the guy who, who rises to the occasion and, and adapts the quickest. So he's he's a guy that is very talented, and he's a guy that uh, has really earned the amount of praise he had early in his career. That people are like, "Why are we praising this kid so much?" Well, now you're starting to see why because he's he's super talented, uh, and he gets it done when when the chips are on the line. Toby, we, we talk about Chase, we talk about Joey, right? They both have two wins apiece so far this season. They both have. Numerous top tens. Joey's finished in the top ten eight times. Chase eleven times. But yet, I look at Ross Chastain, and this is a young man. Two wins, eight top fives, the most of any driver in in the Cup this year. Eleven top tens. Now he did have three did not finishes, but this young man seemingly we talked about it before. He seemingly come out of nowhere, and he is dominant. Yeah, and and I mean he's. So, like you said, he had the three DNFs, but even in those DNFs, he was running up towards the front and had a chance to win those races. So, uh, he's he's been dangerous just about everywhere. He's starting to really creep up on Chase Elliott for the regular season points championship now. And that, of course, will add 15 extra bonus points in the playoffs for whoever wins that. So, it's kind of a fierce battle at this point. And Chastain really is kind of the guy that was in the back half of the top 10 most of the uh, regular season and has really worked his way back up. Uh, after those three DNFs, so uh, he's, he's a guy that's dangerous. He's a guy that you don't really know uh, what he does when when the chips are on the line. Like Chase Elliott and, and Joey Logano are proven commodities, but you don't really ever know what Ross Chastain's going to do in this situation, especially as we get towards the playoffs, because he's just never been in that situation before. Uh, but that track house team has had a lot of speed, and uh, I, I wouldn't bet against these guys just yet. He's been very, very good. 
No one has led more laps this season than William Byron. What do we need to know about him and what he brings to the table when he gets on the track? Well, William Byron is awesome. He's just a, a really smooth driver. He's a, a great personality. The, the guy doesn't uh, – you wouldn't expect him to be as young as he is when you hear him talk. Uh, but the thing that really concerns me about him is he got off to such a quick start this year, and I was like, wow, he had two wins in the first eight races, and yeah. it looked like this was the guy. Um, but now all of a sudden he's kind of cooled off. Once we start getting into these summer months, he's just not had the had the results. He's only had one top ten finish uh, since Martinsville, his last win, and that was all the way back in, what, April? So uh, it's it's been kind of feast or famine for him, but once he gets going and he's shown, once he is on a little bit of a, a run, he can go on a, a sustained run of consistency. So if he you know, gets into the playoffs and starts knocking out some good runs like we saw last year, he was one of the better drivers in the playoffs. He can go on a run, but I'm concerned right now, can he go on a run? This is a new next-gen car, and he looks really good early in the year. Uh, but like I said, it's really started to cool off here lately. Talking with Toby Christie of tobychristie.com, covers NASCAR. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Give me a driver that we don't talk enough about, that, but one that we should, especially as we head into July. I feel like, as weird as it is, I don't feel like Kyle Busch gets enough talk. And it seems strange to say that because he's kind of that guy that's a multi-time champion. He's, I think, the only multi-time champion that's currently racing in the sport because the rest of them have all retired. But it just feels like he doesn't get enough talk. And as weird as it is, Kyle Larson went on a 10-win season last year, won the championship, and we're not hearing much about him at this point either. Both those guys have a win. Both those guys should be locked in the playoffs at this point. And I think they're those guys that once they get in there, they can turn into that. They can, you know, shift into that next gear and they can take off and all of a sudden elevate themselves and, and be the guy that steals the thing from everybody else who's kind of dominated all season long. So uh, I wouldn't really put it past those two guys. And, and, you know, for whatever reason, the two, you know, the two Kyles aren't really being talked about much yet. And uh, they're both running really well. They're just not getting the win. Who's your biggest disappointment so far to this point of the season? I would say biggest disappointment would probably be Kevin Harvick. Uh, I mean, he is teetering uh, on playoff contention at this point. Uh, he had a really good run this past week, had a really fast car. Pit Road kind of doomed him yet again. But, man, uh, he's only led 13 laps this season, uh, four top fives, and just has not really been very close to, to many wins this season. Uh, so I think Kevin Harvick's my big disappointment, but it's kind of the continuation of a trend we've seen for the last couple of years. Uh, but there's still some surprising names that haven't won this year. Ryan Blaney sits third in points. He still hasn't won. He's been so close. Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell, has 10 top 10 finishes. Hasn't gotten it done yet either. And Tyler Reddick, people have been waiting for him to win pretty much all season long. He's been up in the mix, and so many weird things have happened for him. So uh, I would say those are the three biggest disappointments to this year. Uh just because you know they haven't won, I'd say uh, Truex, Harvick, and, and Tyler Reddick. Toby, this is something you and I talked about a while back, and I, I want to talk about Bubba Wallace because he got a lot of headlines, and some rightfully so, for what he's trying to do, what he's done, and, and what he's gone through. But you and I talked about he's going to have to eventually back it up with results, with wins, right? with being one of the best drivers in NASCAR, or he's going to end up being like Danica Patrick, who got a ton of headlines and a ton of publicity and all that other stuff, 
but never won, right? Yeah. Is 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 that where Bub is at right now? Is 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 he was he overhyped? Do we talk did we talk too much about Bubba and maybe he's just a mediocre driver? I don't know. I think if his pit crew gets it together, he has a win or maybe even two wins at this point in the season. So I would slow down on the on the him being overrated and overhyped. Um, but yeah, definitely he needs to kind of improve in the the situations where where he sets it mentally. Um, and I think that's something that as he goes on, it might take another year or two. Um, but I think in situations where he's tested mentally that he needs to start shining in those situations. But at the same time, the pit crew has not made it very easy on him this year. Anytime he's had a car that is capable of maybe a top five or a win, uh, you look at Kansas, you look at this past weekend. No, past weekend, uh, yeah. Because this past weekend, Toby, right, he had words. He got he got heated with his crew chief. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And at some point, he just stopped talking. He, he told them he wasn't going to respond anymore on the radio, and that was it. So he didn't talk the rest of the weekend once that uh, was settled on the radio. Uh, but yeah, he was he was pretty upset. Expletives were flying left and right, and I mean, understandably, the pit crew has had about seven, eight, maybe even nine issues on pit road this year. And we're only seventeen races in, so I get the frustration. Uh, but again, at the same time, you, you want somebody that kind of is able to rise above in, in situations like that. But I, I understand the frustration as well. So why are things so bad with his pit crew, Toby? Because look, it, it, you. Drivers and their crew chiefs have tension all the time, right? It's the history of NASCAR is filled with it, and a lot of times you are able to push through it and uh, become champions because of it, right? Or you just switch crew chiefs and you find someone else that that vibes with you a little bit better. Why has his crew? Why has his crew, his pit crew, been so bad and so just so many missteps this year? Because it does seem like he's had more than others. Yeah, and I mean, the big thing for that is they're a, a Joe Gibbs Racing developmental pit crew. So they get their pit crew from Joe Gibbs Racing. This is about the you know fourth, fifth, you know sixth-tier Gibbs team. Uh, and we've got a whole new set of, you know, the way the pit stops happen this year with the single lug nut uh, wheels, uh, the different choreography that the Joe Gibbs Racing teams have tried out this year have really kind of messed with them a little bit as well. They haven't gone straight forward where the – the front tire changers work on the front tires and stuff. Joe Gibbs racing teams, they like to swap it up where the front guy is changing a front tire on one side, spins around and does the, the back, you know, the rear tire on the other side. So it, it's kind of an issue with choreography. There's an issue with just the, the timing and all that stuff. And then the chemistry between the pit crew members as well. Plus they've got some young guys in there. Uh, I know there for a while, they also had some guys suspended due to a wheel falling off. So it, it's been a comedy of errors all season long for that 23 team. And uh, I don't know how long, how much longer it can go before those guys start getting, uh, you know, sat down and, and, and maybe released. But when you look at the the pit crew roster, one of them is Joe Gibbs' grandson. So I think there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway there for that guy. <laughs> you think? Yeah, there may be. There, you may be allowed to have uh, be able to commit mistakes and be able to get away with it a little bit. Uh, we're talking with Toby Christie of TobyChristie.com. He covers NASCAR. All right, bud, give me your thoughts now that uh, the month of June is wrapped up, just about the next-gen cars and, and how NASCAR and how the drivers have embraced it. Yeah, I think the car has been great. The mile-and-a-half product has been improved so much from previous years. Uh, the only thing that really needs fine-tuning is the short tracks and, and maybe to that, uh, to that method some of the road courses, but some of the road courses have been really good this year too, so... Uh, the really big glaring situation for me is the the short tracks. You just can't seem to pass at the short tracks. Everybody's running about the same speed. 
Uh, and there's been some talk about the diffusers actually being a hindrance at the at the short tracks. So we should probably be seeing the the the, the diffusers popping off the cars once we get to some more short tracks. NASCAR is going to start testing some stuff out to see if we can make some improvements on these things. Um, but as far as like you know, mile and a half and super speedways and, and everything else we've seen to this point, I think this has gone as well as NASCAR could have expected. Uh, drivers are, are losing it more often on their own, uh, which means these cars are hard to drive, which is what fans have been wanting. They've been screaming for. Uh, we've been seeing, I mean, heck, even Chase Elliott's leading the points right now. He's got two wins. He's got more incidents on track than any other driver this season. Uh, to this point, with 21, so um, it, it's been a it's been a very tough year for drivers, but they've been starting to learn it. Some guys are starting to really get this next gen car, and uh, it'll be interesting as we hit in the second half who really starts to kind of shine. If we have somebody that starts, you know, clicking off wins left and right, but as we stand, we've the, the highest anybody's got two wins right now. So it's a it's a pretty tight uh, pretty tight window that everybody's playing in. All right, bud, let's talk about this holiday weekend's race. It's going to be Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. That's the Quick Trip 250 presented by Jockey Made in America there at the uh, up in Wisconsin. Uh, tell us a little bit about the course, and tell us who do you like to win the race. The course is long, so if we go to commercial, you might as well go take a break. It's going to be a while before they get back around. It's a four-mile road course. And uh, but it's a fun one. There's a lot of technical aspects of the track, lots of long, uh, sustained straightaways as well. So guys will be getting up to some pretty good speed as well. Uh, as far as who we like, I mean, I don't see how you go, you know, further from the guys that have been the staples at the road courses over the last few years. We're talking Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, uh, maybe Martin Truex Jr. Although I'm a little uh, hesitant to say he's going to be one of the guys to play with here because at Sonoma he was a little bit uh, off. But uh, I definitely think Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson are the guys to look at for the win. I would say Michael McDowell, somebody like that, can definitely sneak up and have a really, really strong run. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson for, for the win. Toby, appreciate your time as always, brother. Happy 4th of July to you and your family, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, man, get the sparklers or something. Go have some fun. There it is. There it is. Toby Christie of tobychristie.com. Go check out his website. Follow him on social as well for all your latest news involving NASCAR. We got to take a timeout. We'll close out hour number two when we return here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day update time as we wrap up our number two. Great conversation there with our friend Toby Christie of tobychristie.com. NASCAR expert extraordinaire. We asked you, should Major League Baseball add two more teams? That's what Rob Manford continues to hint at. That's what he would like to do. Should we do anything that Rob Manford likes to do? Hmm, I'm leaning towards a big no, a big no. But we wanted to ask you, should MLB add two more teams? 44% of you say, no, we are good at 30. 36% say, eh, only if New Orleans gets one. And 20% of you say, yes, need some new blood. JPK, the OD, says, random Mariners check in. Five and a half games out of the wild card spot and seven and three in their last 10 games. 
I love your optimism, JPK the OD. You keep cheering on your your teal bandits, if you will. Support your decision to be optimistic about your team. I like that. We're below 500, but we're only a couple of games out of the wild card. I love the optimism. Love it. You keep it up, bud. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep your comments coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Or, hey, go to the Listen Live tab at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It's right there on the top of the homepage. Once that loads, we have a new live chat feature. Chat it up with us. Do that way. Go check it out. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, Les East, will help us kick it off. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Ooh, our number three has arrived. What? Gonna have a good time. Me, oh my, crawfish pie. Welcome back to the show. Hour number three has arrived, which means the final hour of today's program. Don't be sad. Don't be alarmed. We're going to do a good job. We're going to try our best to bring it home for you today. Holiday weekend upon us. I know many of you are beginning your travel plans. Some of you are leaving early even today to go out of town for the 4th of July weekend. Just make sure you're safe out there on the roadways with all that bad weather coming out of the Gulf to the tropical storms and tropical depressions that are coming through. So just make sure you're careful this weekend and make sure you stay cool, stay hydrated as well. It's going to be sweltering this 4th of July weekend. Coming up 30 minutes from right now, Dan Favali from Bleacher Report will be joining us to talk everything NBA. We are efforting less east for our friend from CrescentCitySports.com to join us to talk Pels and to talk Saints. Hopefully it goes better than the efforting job we did yesterday to get Bob Nightingale on. <laughs> we, we can, we can, we, it's probably not good. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. We do have a poll question of the day. It's about baseball. It's about Rob Manford. The, what I like to call, Dobozo. Wants to bring in the robo-umps in 2024 because society is hell-bent on making Terminator into a real-life situation. But that's not the thing that bothers me more than what his latest comments were. It's the fact that he wants to expand Major League Baseball. He wants to add two more teams. Two more. Two more teams. 30 ain't enough. We need 32. Because, I don't know. I I know the reason why. 
He wants to add two more teams. He wants to be in two more television markets. He wants to have those teams start up to play. He wants to have an influx of new fans that will come and show out for even mediocre baseball because it's new and it's new to them. That's why you want to do this. Plus, it gives easy wins for some of the other teams across the league, the ones that they really care about. Because, see, if Rob Manford truly cared about Major League Baseball, if Rob Manford truly cared about the integrity of the game, then the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles and the Miami Marlins and just go down the list, the Oakland Athletics, would not be allowed to treat their fans, to treat their teams like a porta potty set on fire. They're allowed to do that. And they've been allowed to do that specifically on Manford's watch. Now, this began before then. But it's gone unchecked. There's no motivation for these teams and these owners in particular of said teams to actually dedicate time, money, resources to putting together a great product on the field. They just don't care. They don't care if their fans stop showing up to games. They don't care if their fans protest the way the the teams have been run. They don't care if free agents don't want to come to them because of how they run their organization. They don't care that their own homegrown talent, that they will not re-sign because they don't want to spend money and they will ship them off for a bag of peanuts and some spoiled produce from the grocery store. They don't care. They do not care. You know why they don't care? Because Rob Manford in Major League Baseball allows these owners to continue to make money without putting forth any work. The television revenue sharing, which is a huge mistake, I've said that for years, allows these owners to not invest in their team, not invest in the community, not put together a good product on the field. They're allowed to do this because they still make money. They don't have to do anything. They're like an absentee landlord. I don't care. I'm not going to do repairs to your house. I'm not going to do new paint in the rooms. I'm not going to replace the air conditioning unit. I'm not going to do a termite inspection because I don't need to because I'm always going to have someone that's going to rent the house no matter what the condition is. And that's how they treat their teams. So until that changes, until we get to the point where Major League Baseball and its leadership fundamentally changes its approach. These teams are going to be allowed to continue treating their franchises like porta-potties on fire, and they'll continue to make money while doing it. And Rob Manford's solution, instead of fixing that, his solution is, hey, let's add a few more teams. Let's add two more teams. For real? For real? This is what we're doing? You could argue there's too many teams in Major League Baseball. 
I would. I feel there's too many teams. There just is. So now he wants to add two more. Two more. Then you start thinking about, okay, okay, Robbie, let's go down this rabbit hole with you, with you wanting to add two teams. Then where in the heck are you going to add said two teams? Nashville's been floated about, right? They have a triple-A ball club, the Brewers. Triple-A affiliate is in Nashville. They're the Sounders. Wildly popular up there. Could you add one in Nashville? Maybe. Maybe. You got to look at other places. You know, I I probably would tend to look at locations where you already have triple-A teams that are successful. So the Nashville Sounders do very well. Maybe there. You could put one there, right? Okay. Memphis is always intriguing. You have the Memphis uh, the Cardinals affiliate is there. They play at AutoZone Park right downtown. Is that too close to St. Louis in Kansas City to put another team there? Probably. So you, you, you can't put one there. Do you go back and put one in Montreal? You know, the team that you took away? Washington Nationals, by the way, used to be the Montreal Expos. Do you put another team in Canada? Is there really that much of a thirst for Major League Baseball being back in Montreal? I don't know. Maybe. But this isn't a slam dunk. And and, and, and baseball has gone through the last three to four years where they gutted the minor league system, they closed down teams, they shut down teams because of cost-saving measures, and they allow big league teams to still run themselves poorly, and then they're like, hey, guys, let's add two more teams. Really? Really? It doesn't make any sense to me. But once again, I'm not a billionaire owner, and I'm not Rob Manfred. Once again, we've long established, Rob and I don't see eye to eye on many things. There's an article on ESPN.com right now that made me throw up a little bit in my mouth. I'm not even going to read it. The headline says, Rob Manfred's here to save baseball. What? Have you seen him? And how he operates? Is there any indicator whatsoever that Rob Manford is the savior of professional baseball? Has anything he's done since taking over as commissioner indicated to you this man is interested in being the savior of Major League Baseball? The answer you're looking for, in case you're struggling, is no. Uh, he wants to save baseball. Really? You know how you could save baseball, Rob Manford? Go in and turn your resignation in right now. That would go a long way to saving baseball is you and your buffoonery not being involved in the game anymore. Just resign, take your big retirement check, and go away. Just go away. Leave America's pastime alone. Just leave it alone. That it would be better served if Rob Manford never had his hands on anything involving Major League Baseball ever again. Ever again. 
Heck, those robots he wants to call balls and strikes in 2024, they would do a better job running the league than he does. And they're robots. Once again, we're determined to have Terminators roam the earth. Poll question of the day is about Rob Manford wanting to expand Major League Baseball. Woof. Should MLB add two more teams? Right now, 45% of you say no, we are good at 30. 34% say eh, only if New Orleans gets one. Now, New Orleans has great minor league baseball tradition. Remember, they had the Zephyrs, then they had the Baby Cakes. I know the name, a lot of people didn't like it. The shrine on airline is a dump. You would have to build a new facility. Could you get someone like Gail Benson or some type of entity to commit to building a state-of-the-art ballpark? And here's the other thing. Would people actually come out for baseball? They struggle to draw for basketball in New Orleans and the greater Gulf Coast. They struggle with basketball. I know baseball is a different breed of fan. I get that. Would a Major League Baseball team work in New Orleans? I don't think it does. I just don't think the fan base is there for it. Not to mention, the Zephyrs and Baby Cakes couldn't draw when they played in the middle of the summer because conditions are awesomely awful. I don't know if a big league team works in New Orleans. I don't think it personally does. 21% of you say, do say yes, let's expand, need some new blood. Need some new blood. Doug has chimed in. Mr. Pepper and Jam Man, Doug. Under the right commissioner, it could work, but under the current regime, it's it's bound to fail. Correct. If you had better leadership, it may actually work. But the bozo in charge right now isn't going to get it done. I wouldn't trust him to take my car to go get an oil change. Like, you don't even have to do anything. You just have to drive the car to the oil change place. I don't trust Rob Manford to do that. Much less handle expansion. Just saying. I don't. I don't trust him to do anything. Guy is world-class bozo how do you get that job like how do you get to the point where you're so bad at your job you continue to get paid more and more to do it like that's a great hustle shout out to him for making money just saying but awful just awfulness blaine smith has chimed in on the book of faith says manford is better than goodell oh man we got some bad commissioners don't we <laughs> we we have some bad commissioners running our pro sports here in the United States. Happy 4th of July. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin, to the show. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Bald and beautiful one. You know it's going to be a good morning when you're talking about the MLB commissioner, huh? Lord have mercy. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he can't he makes me he makes me get angry <laughs> he just oh, he does 
I can tell that, but don't let him be make you make, make you angry. Hopefully, he uh, they fire him or something in a few years. I mean, because he's just a total butt clown. But anyway, uh, man, I gotta ask you a question. All right, what you got, bud? Uh, what's wrong with your with your guy, James Mesh, man? What do you mean? The guy has never seen Bull Durham. I know. I've already had this discussion with him. He doesn't watch movies. Yeah, I think he watches movies, but like I, I no, I no, told he him doesn't watch. I think he watches chick flicks, but he don't he, want nobody to know. No, he does not watch movies. He really doesn't. I, 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 I honestly, I was like, what do you mean? He has, he doesn't watch movies. Like he doesn't, he hasn't seen Marvel movies. He hasn't seen Fast and Furious movies. Like he doesn't watch movies. It's just not his thing. He'll play video games or like work out. And watch sports. That's what he'll do or start breaking down the NFL season position by position. Like, that's his thing. He doesn't watch movies at all, brother. I got you. But I will will fix it, Martin. Don't don't uh, you worry. Martin, don't you worry. I have Bull Durham at home. I will take care of this. We will have a watch party, the staff and I, and we will educate uh, Mr. Mesh on the greatness that is Bull Durham, which is not only the best baseball movie of all time, the greatest sports movie of all time. Well, hopefully I'm in, hopefully I'm invited, huh? Well, if you keep if you keep poking the bear with some of the other callers, maybe not, bud. You got to be nicer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that's what I'm not. I'm known for stirring the pot. I like stirring the pot, you know. But uh, but I, one more thing, and then I'll let you go. Man, my buddy Paul, he was so excited when when Yardon and 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 uh, Pena got hurt yesterday. But then, come to find out, they only could be out of games. So, ha ha, jokes on them. The Yankees still ain't the best team in the American League, even though they have the best record. But that don't mean nothing when you're playing the Orioles thirty times uh, the first half of the season. But uh, I, I'm still convinced that the Astros are the best team in the in the AL even better than my Red Sox and man my Red Sox need some bullpen help man because we almost blew two 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 uh two leads uh last night against the Blue Jays man something needs to be done I got you brother I got you well appreciate the phone call Martin have a tremendous day bud you too buddy and uh go Red Sox there you go Red Sox need, need some bullpen help gotta be gotta be aggressive at the trade deadline just saying. Get after it. Don't be scared. Braves were aggressive at the trade deadline last year. Helped them win a World Series championship. Just saying. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, we will dazzle you. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> hey, we will talk about LSU baseball, though. Another one. Apparently, Jay Johnson is DJ Khaled. Another one. Because he got another kid from the transfer portal. We'll give you the latest updates on that. That's coming up next. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, if you haven't joined the clubhouse, you need to do so today. Right now. That's right. June 30th. Let's end June getting you right, good to go with our clubhouse. I've already told Martin to do this. I'm not for sure if he has. I should have asked. Got to become a member of the clubhouse because here's the deal. Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. 
you sign up. You earn 500 points by becoming a member. And then you can earn more points as a member, liking things, doing bare minimum things. It's free. It's easy. Then you can use those points to score great stuff. I'm talking Astros tickets. I'm talking station swag. I'm talking concert tickets. And right now, we got gift certificates to some of the best places to eat in Acadiana. A $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. A $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. And a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're all inside the clubhouse right now for you to win. But you can only do so by becoming a member of our clubhouse. Once again, go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Sign up. It's free to do so. It's easy. We even have a tutorial video on the website to show you how it gets done. So go sign up today. Let's end June strong by you becoming a member of our clubhouse You so you can start winning stuff. Poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming. It's about Rob Manfred. See, I get so fired up and angry about him, I mispronounce his last name. Just now I said it right. But typically I get upset. I've never even met the man. He he upsets me that much. Should a Major League Baseball add two more teams? 45% of you say no, we're good at 30. 34% say eh, only if New Orleans gets one. And 21% of you say yes, we need some new blood. And I say no, 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 no. But keep it moving. Keep it going with our poll question of the day. Jay Johnson is a madman when it comes to the NCAA transfer portal. You thought Brian Kelly was the master of getting guys out of the NCAA transfer portal to come to LSU to play for the football team. Jay Johnson says, hold my beer. Let me show you how it's done, former Irishman. Portal, 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 portal. Aggressive in the transfer portal. Because he added yet another one. That's right. Cue up the DJ Khaled sound effect. Another one. Added another one. He adds Hurd, a pitcher from UCLA, one of the top Major League Baseball draft prospects for 2024. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And here's the crazy thing about this. Jay Johnson has done this for the most part, of getting all these guys out of the NCAA transfer portal, which is more than half a dozen now, starters on other teams, including two from Vanderbilt. He's done all of this in the transfer portal without a recruiting coordinator, and until recently, the Tigers went a week or two without a pitching coach who could help Jay recruit as well. So he's essentially been able to do all of this by himself without staff to help him. Unbelievable. Former UCLA baseball star Thatcher Hurd, pitcher, has informed D1 Baseball that he's committed to LSU. Jay Johnson lads another big-time arm. Now, he's also coming back from injury. Okay, so that that's key. He hurt his back. So that's the only thing that should give you pause. Don't go ahead and pencil him in now as your Friday night starter, LSU fan. 
Let's see how he keeps recovering from back injury. But they add another guy, another one, another one, another one. And just to recap what they've done in the portal. This is who Jay Johnson has added once again, primarily without, without a pitching coach and without a recruiting coordinator. Now they've lost a couple guys, Will Safford, Jacob Hasty, Cranford, and DiGiacomo, Brennan Holt, and Michael Fowler, and Brody Joyce all are leaving the program, entering the transfer portal to go elsewhere. But their roles were limited with the exception of DiGiacomo. He's replaced them by adding Thatcher Hurd, freshman pitcher from UCLA. He's a big righty. He had a stretch fracture in his lower back that ended his season back in April. Before then, he had an ERA of 1.06. 48 strikeouts and only 36 innings. <laughs> so, he's a, yeah, he's a good one. They've also added Carter Young, junior shortstop from Vanderbilt. He led the Commodores in home runs with 16 back in 2021, but struggled with injuries this past year, only batting 207. They also added Christian Little, pitcher from Vanderbilt. Went Posted an ERA of 3.78 in 38 and two-thirds innings last year as a sophomore. They added what I believe is the best player of the bunch, and that's Tommy White. That's the stud from NC State, the freshman who hit 27 home runs batted 362 and led all freshmen in home runs, RBIs, and slugging percentage. Yeah, he was first team all ACC as a freshman. Jake Pinata, the shortstop slash second baseman from Baylor. He batted 300 this last year and seven home runs, earned all Big 12 honors. And Dylan DeBrake, the junior from Creighton or Crichton, depending on what part of the country you live in, ERA of 2.81 in 93 innings pitched as the Blue Jays' ace. He also won the Big East Pitcher of the Year for the last two seasons. Jay Johnson just dominating that transfer portal. What's up with the new LSU head coaches? Man, they're like, we got this transfer portal. This is us. Oh, you worried about talent? I got this. I'm heading to the portal. Martin has informed me, update, that he will sign up this weekend for our rewards club. Martin, you better. When we get back on the air on Tuesday after the 4th of July weekend, brother, you better do. You better get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Martin needs to sign up for the clubhouse and get it done like my daughter does getting it done with sass because she's got a new haircut. Chopped off the hair. She wanted her hair to be short. Baby girl requested it. Oh, it's a bob. It's a bob. I, I th- th- This is always painful for me because she, she's growing up. And my wife's like, oh, she's growing up. She's no longer a little baby anymore. And I'm like, well, you're the one that's cutting her hair like an adult. You're making it go by quicker. <laughs> so I fuss at my wife about this. But no, baby girl's got the new do. She owns it, walks in. She does the thing. She just walks in with the hair. She just. Look at my hair. She loves it. She loves it. It's summer. It's a great look for summer. 
So my daughter is rocking that great look for summer. She's owning it. Martin, you need to own becoming a member of our Clubhouse Rewards. That way you can own the summer. Let's get it done. Right now we got to take a timeout. That's what we got to get done. But when we return, Dan Favali of Bleacher Report. Going to talk NBA free agency and so much more. That's coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, NBA free agency is looming, and there's no better person to break it down for us than our next guest, our final guest of today's RP3 and company. He's the man from Bleacher Report, our good friend Dan Favali. Dan, good morning to you, brother. How are you, bud? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great, bud. Let's get right to it. Some of the news that's uh, come out the last couple of days. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving opting in and Russell Rusbrook opting in. What do you make of those decisions, and how's that going to impact those franchises? Yeah, the the Russ one was widely expected that, you know, it's on the Lakers to either figure out a trade for Westbrook or we'll see if they head into the season with him, monitor it towards um, closer to the trade deadline, um, or uh, they might just be hoping to continue to prioritize their flexibility for next summer when Anthony Davis right now is technically the only player under guaranteed contract and so i don't have a great feel for that situation but to this point they've said they've been unwilling to include a first round pick just to get off his salary and so unless a trade materializes where they're actually getting back a player um who they could use in their rotation i probably might bet on him starting training camp at least with the lakers and then with Kyrie, you know he was never going to leave so much money on the table just to go sign somewhere for the mid-level exception um, if he, the fact that he opted in, it means that the Nets could still technically trade him. That wouldn't surprise me if that happens before the season or during the season. Um, but it certainly seems that even if he stays in Brooklyn, uh, he's not going to sign an extension there. So this is a, a, a player who's going to reach free agency in 2023, whether he stays with the Nets this year or is traded elsewhere. So what did the Nets do? Because, you know, they, they had the big names, but they didn't have a ton of quality depth on the roster this year. So with Kyrie opting in, you still have KD. What's going to be their method, so to speak, this offseason to build a team and actually build a cohesive team that has depth that could be a winner? I I couldn't tell you. I think they're going to bank on Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons being healthy next season, hoping Joe Harris is healthy. Um, they need to re-sign Nick Claxton in free agency. I would argue they also need to re-sign Bruce Brown Jr., as far as adding talent goes, their their best betting tool is going to be that mini mid-level. Can they find a wing on the market? Maybe a TJ Warren, maybe a Gary Harris. Um, the wing market is very shallow. They also have to worry about Patty Mills. Uh, just declined his player option to enter free agency, and you still have Kyrie. We don't really have a backup point guard. Um, so those are issues they need to address. And their 
big problem aside from what's going to happen with their two stars and the health is that even if they lose any one of their own key free agents of the three I just mentioned, that's also a setback because, as you mentioned, they didn't have quality depth in the first place. And so at the bare minimum, you need to focus on retaining your own players at this point. The Lakers, you know, you say you don't have a great feel for that situation, but, I mean, that that roster was immensely flawed, even more than Brooklyn's this year. LeBron's not getting any younger, and and Russell seems to be fading as well. I, can they put something together? Can they be a, a – just say a competitive team next year? I think if Anthony Davis and LeBron James stay healthy, um, anything is possible for them, but they need to hit on their free agency signings this year. Um, they didn't hit on enough of them last year. They had Malik Monk, um, and that was really about it. And this team, when you look at the best way to build a roster around Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you need complementary shooting and wing defense and guys who can play on both ends of the floor. They went the complete opposite direction last year. Um, they should be able to get a good player with their mini mid-level. That mini mid-level could also go towards just keeping Malik Monk, who uh, you know played so well for them last year that if he leaves and you're trying to play, replace him, that gets difficult. So I do expect the Lakers to be better. Um, there's no way that they should miss on as many free agency signings this summer as they did last offseason. But I don't know that the ceiling is as high on this core unless they get lucky somehow via trade or you just think Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to play in 75 games apiece. We're talking with Dan Favale, Bleacher Report, NBA reporter. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's talk about two of the bigger names that decided to opt out. James Harden and Bradley Beal. Who were you more surprised by, and who do you think suitors are or going to be for those two? I was more surprised by James Harden opting out. I don't think that he's necessarily going to look to go elsewhere, but the reporting all along had him opting in and hammering out uh, an extension with the Rockets. But by opting out, um, you know, the reports are now that he's going to end up taking significantly less than what his $47-plus million player option was going to play, pay him in the first place. Um, the numbers floated around by Mark Stein um, had him going as low as three years and 90. And if you're working with a number between 30 and $35 million a year for James Harden, if you're the Sixers, what that allows you to do is spend your mid-level exception. There are reports that they, they basically already have an agreement with P.J. Tucker, and it also opens up their biannual exception. Um, so they're able to use that, you know, three-plus million-dollar tool to, to deepen their rotation, in addition to you know, having already acquired De'Anthony Melton. So hard nothing out is interesting because it's going to make the Sixers a lot more flexible, um, and it also could portend that maybe there's some trades coming from them um, soon involving other players on their roster, um, or just that they know they're going to be able to sign a better free agent than we expect using both of those exceptions. So even if we pencil in P.J. Tucker into one, um, I'm fascinated to see who winds up with the other because this is certainly a lot of hoops to, to jump through if, if you're James Harden and you're going to be leaving a lot of money on the table. Where does Bradley Beal go? I'd be shocked if he left Washington at this point. He's really? For years he wants to stay in Washington. Um, they can sign him to a five-year deal worth almost $250 million. I think what we're seeing now and will probably be addressed in the new um, the, the next CBA, excuse me, is players, especially who are in his position, they're going to get their money, and then they'll reevaluate their situation in, in a year or two. And if they want out, maybe they'll try and orchestrate a trade. Um, but just based off the limited cap space available, 
how hard it might be for some teams to pony up enough in a sign-and-trade, I would be floored if he's anywhere but Washington next season. All right, bud, that leads me to my next question. If if you're saying that you could see Harden going back and you see Beal going back and they're just, you know, they're going to stay with their teams, they just opted out. So who are going to be the coveted free agents this time around with Westbrook re-upping and Beal going to be staying and Harden going to be staying and Kyrie going to be staying? So who's out there? Who are going to be the coveted free agents this cycle? I think realistically the two biggest names, so to speak, that you're going to see change teams, and I would probably predict they both change change teams at this point, would be Jalen Brunson. Uh, His deal with the Knicks seems fait complete right now. Uh, I expect him to get more than $25 million on average a year from them. Whether that's a mistake is a separate matter. Um, For the Knicks, it is a mistake just because they're they're not a good team. You don't pay Jalen Brunson that much money when you're not a good team. There were reports that they're the Knicks, Dan. They're the Knicks. Yeah. 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 They're they're bad. And I think the other name to watch would be DeAndre Ayton. Restricted free agents who are that good normally don't leave. The Suns do have all the leverage because they can match whatever offer. Um, But the relationship between him, Chris Paul, head coach Monty Williams, not great at the moment. Signs have pointed towards him leaving for quite some time. The issue you're getting into now, though, is you just saw Detroit punt on their cap space, and they have a couple centers now on the roster. Um, you saw the Blazers punt on their flexibility with the, the Jeremy Grant trade. Um, and now you saw the Spurs trade DeJounte Murray, and they still have a ton of flexibility. But if you just traded an actual all-star, why are you turning around to max out a non-all-star? And so he could find himself in this weird situation where there's not enough suitors, but I do still expect him at this point to leave Phoenix via a sign-in trade. Let's talk about the trade that went down yesterday, I do believe, and that was San Antonio sending their all-star to Atlanta. Why do the Spurs do that? Because they've been just treading water, not really been relevant the last few years. He's a young player. It felt like he could be a foundation piece, but they ship him away. What's the what's going on in San Antonio? You do that to me because you don't want to become the Charlotte Hornets, just stuck in the middle. And while mm-hmm. Charlotte has what could be a transcendent building block in Lamella Ball, um, they've taken they skipped some steps when they went with that Gordon Hayward um, contract after oh. Lamelo's first year, I believe. Uh, you also have are going to reinvest or have held on to players who are just non-stars. You're looking at, uh, assuming they re-sign Miles Bridges, some of the centers that they've brought in there previously, some of the, the trades that they've made, paying Terry Rozier twice now. Um, you look at San Antonio, they were too good to ever wind up in what we would consider superstar territory in the draft. They might be in the lottery, but would they ever really have a chance at a, at a top-five pick without – flat-out tanking, probably not. And at the same time, you're not good enough to where you saw that clear path to title contention in a Western Conference that's only going to get tougher next year with the Nuggets and the Clippers healthier, the Pelicans getting Zion back, the Timberwolves looking like they're on the rise. And so I think they made the calculated decision that they're trying to increase their highest-end range of outcomes long-term, and it was easier to do that by, um, one, making yourself worse in the interim to improve next year's draft stock and then also just amassing more first-round picks to where you have more bites at the apple to draft a star or if the right trade opportunity comes along, maybe you're able to get involved in, in that. Dan, I have to ask you this. Who do you think did 
well. I, I don't. I don't like doing draft grades. Okay. I, I just. I, I just don't think that's wise to do. But who do you think did a nice job with maybe addressing needs and, and maybe got some good value right off the bat in the uh, draft? I think the Detroit Pistons killed it. Uh, having Jaden Ivey fall to them was big, and then to go out and basically just for taking on Kemba Walker's expiring contract, who they just bought out, you're able to get another lottery pick in um, Jalen Duran, who fills the need at center for you and should be just a great fit even at both ends, next to Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. And the, um, the other team, what I liked that they really did, was the Thunder. It was out of character. They gave up three conditional first-round picks, none of which are their own, um, to get number 11. But I like Usman Jang there, sort of taking that swing on him. And then Chet Holmgren, uh, maybe he wasn't the, maybe he was the no-brainer choice at number two. Maybe he wasn't, but he's a perfect fit, um, really, for that roster. And then both of the Jalen Williams that they, they drafted, um, the second one being at number 34, I think the pick was, whatever it ended up being, um, they got two guys who maybe could come in and slot in the rotation. They are, they are bigger, they're longer. This team should be fun defensively. And the fact that they were willing to give up three, even if they're mediocre to, to less than mediocre first-round picks, that type of consolidation um, speaks to maybe where their head's at entering uh, next season. Perhaps they're at a stage in their rebuild with Chet Holmgren, with Josh Giddy, with Shea Gilders Alexander, and some others, where they're willing to consider some more aggressive moves. And so I thought both they and the Pistons specifically did really well. All right, buddy, get you out here with this one, a, a quick one. Uh, John Wall's already said that he's going to be signing with the Clippers uh, if he's healthy, if he can return to the form that he used to have. They, they could be a great fit, right, for Los Angeles. But the big what if is can John even stay healthy for half a season, much less a full one? Kimball Walker, though, he's going to—he's negotiating the buyout with Detroit. Where does he land? I honestly have no idea. I could see him winding up with the Lakers um, just on the minimum. So that's a name that I would fully expect to, to pop up. Maybe he even could he end up in Brooklyn just because he's also from New York if they need a backup point guard. I think it's going to be one of those title contender-type teams. Um, the Lakers make a lot of sense because depending on what happens, happens with Westbrook, no, I, if Westbrook is there, I don't expect Kemba to start, but he could play some pretty important minutes if the fit between Russ and then L.A.'s two other stars, LeBron and, and A.D., um, continues to pan out poorly. Dan, appreciate your time as always, brother. Keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there with Bleacher Report. And happy 4th of July to you and yours, brother, and we'll talk to you soon. You as well. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. That's Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report. He covers the association. we got to take a timeout, our final one of today's show. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Crunch time with Mikas and Mesh. Weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. <laughs> The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch. 
Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club, and you can win an Apple Watch. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. I want to take a moment to thank our guest for making this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company tremendous. Toby Christie from tobychristie.com talking all things NASCAR with our guy. And Dan Favalli from Bleacher Report giving us the latest updates on NBA free agency, which is impending. Poll question of the day question. Poll question of the day. That's not that's not how you say that. Poll question of the day. Should Major League Baseball add two more teams? That's what the Bozo Rob Manfred would like. 46% of you say, no, we're good at 30. 30% say, eh, only if New Orleans gets one. And 24% of you say, yes, Major League Baseball needs some new blood. Thanks for all who voted on this poll question of the day. All who commented as well. That's going to do it for today's edition of RP3 and Company. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parks III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.